This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Abner Meraz is a world champion boxer, Olympian, sports commentator, and most importantly, dad of two little girls. Beloved by abuelas and hardcore fans alike, Abner is a pro in entertaining both in and out of the ring. On Blue Wire's new podcast, On the Hook with Abner Maris, we'll hear from Abner, his fam, fellow athletes, and other people who make him the boxer and the man that he is. Listen to On the Hook with Abner Maris wherever you get your podcast. Episodes in English out on Tuesdays and episodes in Spanish out on Wednesdays. You're now listening to the Destination Debbie Podcast. I present your host, Ray Garvin, the creator of Destination Debbie, and your go-to source for all things Debbie and college football. What is going on, good people? Welcome back to the Destination Debbie Podcast. You know who it is. It's your host, Ray G. You can find me on Twitter at Ray GQ. Make sure you're following the show at Destination Debbie. Another week of college football is in the books. And you guys, I just, I, I it's, it's getting to the point now where it's so redundant. It's so... We just know what to expect from Alabama every single year that it's getting ridiculous. It is getting ridiculous. They just sent two wide receivers to the NFL in the first round. The number one wide receiver drafted in Henry Ruggs. They also had Jerry Judy and Tua. It's just, they just had that. They just had that happen. And when you look at the receivers this year, on this 2020 Alabama Crimson Tide team, why aren't they better than what they had last year? Devonta Smith, John Mechie, and Jalen Waddle are outstanding. Outstanding. Devonta Smith, listen, folks, I'm 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 done. I am done with the individuals who are discounting Devonta Smith because he's only 175 pounds. I don't care. The NFL won't care. Devonta Smith, we're going to go low-end comp here. Low-end comp, he's a better version of what Tyler Boyd is. High-end comp because that's what y'all want to hear, right? Who does he remind us of? Who is his absolute ceiling? It's Marvin Harrison. He is a technician on the outside. He is fearless going across the middle. He is outstanding with his body control. Is He's like a swan out there, literally outstanding body control, toughness. 
sure hands. He he was Tua's, and I've talked about this, from Tua's freshman season when he threw that game-winning strike in, in overtime to beat Georgia for the national championship a couple of years ago, it was to Devonta Smith. It seemed like every time Tua was in trouble and he needed to be bailed out, it was number six, not number 11, not number four. It was number six bailing him out. And what Devonta Smith did versus Georgia, 11 receptions, 167 yards, two touchdowns the week before versus Mississippi, 13 receptions, 164 yards, and another touchdown. He solidified himself. Anybody who does not think he's a first round pick, they're, they're straight hating at this point. Straight hate. There's no other way to slice it. I don't give a damn that his BMI numbers aren't going to reach whatever magical threshold needs to be reached in order to be a successful NFL wide receiver. Like, this isn't, this is not, don't make this more complicated than it needs to be. It is not a hard equation to figure out. You see Devonta Smith, you draft Devonta Smith, and you throw to Devonta Smith. That is how talented he is. And the crazy part about it is his counterpart on the other side may just be even more talented. The ceiling is even higher than what Devonta Smith brings to the table. And we're talking about comps, right? High-end comps. We've been looking for Tyreek Hill. We have truly been trying to find him. Andy Isabella, McCall Hardman, maybe he can be the Tyreek Hill replacement, there hasn't been any. There, there has not been one. Jalen Rager, for all the speed that he is, he's not Tyreek Hill level of fast. This young man, Jalen Waddle, he possesses that type of elite acceleration, home run hitting ability, game changing field flipping speed. He possesses Tyreek Hill level qualities to his game. And if we're keeping it 100, and we're being real here, he's a better wide receiver prospect than Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill was a running back wide receiver hybrid at Oklahoma State that never really was the focal point of an offense. He had to learn how to play wide receiver in the NFL. And while all of these receivers will have their growing pains and have to adjust to the NFL game, Jalen Waddell is not a gadget player learning how to be a wide receiver. He is a true wide receiver at this point in time. And right now, the tear that Jalen Waddle is on through four games in this college football season, four games, 25 grabs, 557 yards, averaging 22.3 yards of reception and four touchdowns through four SEC games. All four of these games have been with SEC against SEC opponents. He is already on pace to shatter what Henry Ruggs did in his best season at Alabama. And yes, I know target competition was a little more steep when Henry Ruggs was playing, right? He had to compete with Devonta Smith, Jalen Waddle, and Jerry Judy. But don't you dare sleep on John Mechie. John Mechie is out there doing his damn thing. And yet Jalen Waddle is already on a tarred pace to just crush anything that Ruggs was able to do. And when you're talking about speed, if I had to take a guess right now of what Jalen Waddle would run at an in, at the NFL combine, I'd say it's probably a low four, three, I'd say a four, four, three, four, three, I mean, four, three, three, four, three, one, 40 yard dash for Jalen Waddle, his acceleration. I, I, I'm going to love to see his 10 yard split. 
And this is crazy with as many wide receivers as Alabama has had, especially the three that we talked to, two that went to the NFL last year. The this is the first time this past Saturday versus Georgia was the first time in Alabama history that they had two receivers that surpassed 150 receiving yards in a game. The first time in school history that they had two wide receivers go over 150 yards in a game together. And Jalen Waddell has yet to have a game in 2020 where he has received less than five receptions and less than 120 yards. Every game, five receptions, 120 yards, book it. He makes some outstanding grab down the sidelines versus Georgia, average 26.8 yards a reception versus Texas A&M, 28.4 yards per reception. His lowest reception receiving average game this year came in week one versus Missouri, where he went eight for 132, eight for 134, two touchdowns, averaging 16.8 yards a reception. He is the definition, the definition of game changer. And I tweeted this out. I tweeted this out last night on Saturday night after the game. I love, 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 love Rondell Moore and his skill set. He is at the top of my tier one wide receivers. He's at the top. But I am very, very, very close to saying, you know what? This guy's going to be the first wide receiver taken. He's already a tier one wide receiver prospect for me. What else does he need to do? He is the wide receiver one in the 2021 class. I'm real close. I'm real close. But the king can't lose his crown without doing something to lose it. And unlike Jamar Chase, Rondell Moore is playing. He will be suiting up this weekend. Purdue has their first game. I believe it's against Iowa. So we are going to get to see the Rondell the Magnificent versus a team this weekend. And I'm going to give it a couple of weeks because I still believe he's the most talented wide receiver in this class, but he is officially on notice. Four straight 120 yard receiving games, four straight games with over five receptions. He is on notice. Jalen Waddle is coming. He is going to be a top pick in the 20. He can stop right now. He has solidified himself as a top pick in the 2021 NFL draft class. And it's just, it's ho-hum. It's Alabama. They do it again. Najee Harris looks like a goddamn stud. Mac Jones looks like a first round pick playing quarterback. John Mechie looks like he's going to be a problem for the years to come. It just, it just, re, they retool. They just retool. We're not seeing anything from Roydell Williams or Jace McClellan, the freshman running backs. We're not seeing any of the young freshman wide receivers play. We're not seeing Jay, uh, Billingsley, Jalila Billingsley at, at tight end. I mean, they just, these guys are professionals playing college football, toying with cats. They shut Georgia out in the second half and these wide receivers were unstoppable. You know who the ball is going to. And yet no defense can stop it. It is just, these are fantastic, fantastic wide receiver prospects. And we're seeing a lot of fantastic play across the board in college football. And there hasn't been a player more exciting than BYU's signal caller, Zach Wilson. Wilson is six foot three, 210 pounds, and he is absolutely lighting up college football. He is he is throwing for a ridiculous 78% completion percentage, over 1,600 passing yards, 12 touchdowns, one interception. He, he's, he's just, 
it's fun. He's a fun player, but he's more than a fun player. He has the size. He has the requisite athleticism. He has the skill versus Houston. He, he threw 10 incomplete passes, 400 passing yards, averaging 11.4 yards in attempt, 71% completion percentage in that game, four touchdowns, no interception. Also added 40 yards on the ground. On the season, he's got 100 rushing yards, six rushing TDs. I wouldn't call him a true dual threat quarterback, but he's an above average quarterback rushing the ball. And what Zach Wilson is not, he's not a dink, dink and dunk thrower, right? He is not playing it, playing it safe, not trying to, you know, just manage the game. He's going out there and he is slinging it, slinging it. According to PFF's deep passing charts, these are pass attempts targeted 20 yards down the field or more. He's second in the country with 647 deep ball passing yards, five touchdowns, no interceptions, 86% completion percentage on throws 20 yards downfield or more. He's 17 for 22 with two of those incompletions being drop passes by his wide receivers. That, that's how efficient he is. That is number one. That adjusted completion percentage for deep passing is number one in college football. Ahead of Mac Jones, ahead of Trevor Lawrence, number one in college football. He is slinging it, slinging the rock downfield and doing it accurately, confidently. And he has elevated himself. When I'm looking at my rankings, I had to do some adjustments. I had to do some adjustments and, you know, unfortunately for one Jamie Newman, he's not playing this season, folks, and it's hurting him. Him sitting out is hurting his draft stock because Kyle Trask is playing out of his mind and Zach Wilson is playing out of his mind. And right now, after Trey Lance at quarterback three, I have Kyle Trask fourth and I moved Zach Wilson up to QB five with Jamie Newman sitting at quarterback six. He's got the size. He's got the he's got the tape. He's he's playing right now and playing better than anybody would have expected for him to do. The jump in Wilson's performance from his sophomore season to junior season is is staggering. 62% completion percentage last year, 2,300 yards, 11 touchdowns, nine interceptions. And he's jumped up from 62% completion percentage to damn near 79% of his passes being completed through five games. His yards per pass attempt last year, 7.5 up to 12.1. Again, 12 touchdowns, one interception, quarterback rating 207.7. He's dealing. He is dealing. And it would be wise. It would behoove him after this season is over. And by the way, he's led his team to a 5-0 start to declare for the draft. To declare for the draft. He's got some Patrick Mahomes gunslinger with Johnny Manziel mixed in. So he reminds me of. He's fumbled the ball a little bit. So we got to, you know, we got to work on a couple of things. He's fumbled the ball a little bit. But he's, he's a mobile athletic quarterback with a cannon of an arm. Showing great touch and accuracy is, is, will there be a learning curve? Sure, but there'll be a learning curve for all of these quarterbacks. Zach Wilson has made a name for himself and has put himself in position to be a day one pick in the 2021 NFL draft. 
Now, there's been a lot of talk about these running backs in the 2020 class, and I'm not going to dive into their actual production. We'll save that for the rookie review that's going to drop later this week. But when you're talking about the expectations that were placed on this 2020 class with Jonathan Taylor, Clyde Edwards-Elair, Cam Akers, DeAndre Swift, Keyshawn Vaughn, J.K. Dobbins, I mean, the expectations were these guys were going to come in and absolutely take over the NFL landscape. And it has not happened by and large so far this year. We just saw the Kansas City Chiefs opt to upgrade their running back position, bringing in former All-Pro Le'Veon Bell. Jonathan Taylor, while he had another solid game, has not really blown up like we thought he would. You know, if, if we're keeping it real... The best looking running back so far of this 2020 group was the guy that was freaking undrafted, James Robinson. And it's it's the the expectations that we placed on these players from a fantasy perspective, I think, were way too lofty and way too high. While Jonathan Taylor is still a top three, top five at worst dynasty running back, you know, the, the production hasn't been there. It it hasn't. And when we pivot to 2021, we're looking at a lesser class at the running back position where we're going to get a chance to see Journey Brown. Can he make a name for himself? Kenneth Gainwell has opted out, so he's done. We will get to see a CJ Verdell and a Trey Sermon and maybe even Jarrett Patterson play. But by and large, the 2021 crop of running backs is kind of just, you know, if you miss out on the two blue chip guys, you can take a shot on Cameron Harris. You can take a shot on Journey Brown or Kenneth Gainwell. But those are the only two that I feel confident saying are going to be consistent fantasy scores potentially from day one. The 2022 class at the top, you've got the outstanding, the outstanding sophomore in Brees Hall and another outstanding sophomore. Isaiah Spiller looks like a damn stud. He looks so good. He looks like he he leaned up, shed some weight. He's running more explosively. He's running with great power. We know that he could always do that. And Eric Gray coming out party. I got I told you he was my sophomore breakout candidate for the 2020 season, and he is not disappointing me with his play this year. But the 2023 class is where it's at, folks. It is where it's at. And, you know, I love to provide some actionable advice. I love to provide some actionable advice. And right now in your dynasty leagues, you need to be asking for 2023 first round picks and every deal. The reason being that they're they're still two years away from even declaring and even two years from now, we don't know what can happen. If there's an injury and a player decides to come back or a player just doesn't perform so well, they may even they may not even be eligible until 2024. So those are those picks that you can just throw in to, to sweeten the deal. But when we're looking at this class, it is outstanding from just the players that we've seen play on the field on Saturdays. And there's no running back a freshman running back in college football that has been more impressive than Tank Bigsby. Tank Bigsby, the running back from Auburn, six foot, 205 pounds, has been as advertised, as advertised. He took over that backfield in week three where he had 20 carries, 146 yards, averaging 17, 7.3 yards, a clip, four receptions, 16 yards. And then he also returned four kicks for 106 yards, averaging 26 yards, a return this past Saturday versus South Carolina, 16 for 111, 6.9 yards in attempt with one touchdown. Tank Bigsby is outstanding. He is a player 
who for the NFL side, CeeDee Lamb seems like that piece that is just unacquirable. You cannot get CeeDee Lamb in trades. You got to you gotta mortgage the future to get a CeeDee Lamb on your dynasty roster. The same can be said about Tank Bigsby. I'm actually in a campus to Canton mid-season dynasty startup right now, and I took Tank Bigsby with my second round pick. I wanted a Tank Bigsby share and I wasn't going to be, I wasn't going to play the game waiting to round three to try to snag him. I took him in round two. And shortly after he comes off of the board, my running back two in the 2023 class, Jameer Gibbs followed. And Gibbs is, is equally as talented on a, an evolving offense. Georgia Tech, traditionally a wishbone triple option type team. They've adopted a more traditional college football offense, you know, drop back passing, spread offense. They're not running that triple option anymore. But Gibbs's speed, his athleticism, his size, his lateral quickness and juice, just he, he's I've got him 55 overall in Debbie. And right behind them is Kendall Milton, the running back from Georgia. Didn't have a big game versus Alabama. Didn't have a lot of opportunity in that game. Seth McGowan, the running back from Oklahoma, is my fourth ranked running back in the 2023 class. And rounding out the top five, Bijan Robinson out of Texas. This is an outstanding class, and we haven't even seen Demarcus Bowman, who transfers from Clemson to Florida. We have yet to see Jalen Berger at Wisconsin. Marshawn Lloyd tore his ACL prior to the season, so we didn't get to see him, which I had him in my top five running backs for the class. Blake Corum, the running back from Michigan, is going to get a chance to play. Daniel Nata. I mean, this is 2022 right now after those three players there there it's just a little shaky after those three after gray after spiller after hall i like jerry on ely i like ramon davis i like zach charbonnet i like tyler goodson but i love the guys in the 2023 class i love milton i love gibbs and tank bigsby folks tank bigsby is next up he is that damn Good. Start trading for these 2023 picks now and you will be happy and thankful later down the line. Now, I briefly talked about a Campus to Canton startup that I am currently doing right now with my patrons, my squad members, patreon.com forward slash all gas. The growth of the channel has been ridiculous. It is it surpassed everything that I thought it could be. I've got people that have just sort of unofficially assumed roles within the Destination Devi enterprise that we're trying to build over there. We've got Jordan Reigns sort of being the lead IDP guy over there, helping out managing that channel. I've got one of my newest squad members, my boy Jeff over there. He's uh, he's manning the injury channel. We've got us a fantasy doctor in the Destination Debbie Discord. It's been it, it's crazy, you guys. It's crazy. We're talking prospects. We're talking players. And we're conducting leagues. And I thought it would be a good idea to do a mid-season dynasty startup, C2C. So we are drafting simultaneously an NFL team and a collegiate team at the same damn time. And the NFL draft side of things has been a fascinating case study, a fascinating case study. So there are some crazy scoring formats, but it's super flex, 14 teams. And I just want to talk about some of the notable players that were drafted in this in this league. And right off of the bat, round one, quarterbacks came off of the board, Fast and Furious, Mahomes, Jackson, Murray, Russell Wilson. And the top two running backs were Christian McCaffrey at 105, Jonathan Taylor at 106. The wide receiver one drafted 
the number one wide receiver was taken at the 107 spot. And it wasn't Michael Thomas. It wasn't Devontae Adams. It wasn't Tyreek Hill. It wasn't CeeDee Lamb. It was DK Metcalf, the wide receiver from the Seattle Seahawks, comes off the board at 107. Joe Burrow, 109 as the fifth quarterback off of the board. Dak Prescott, even though he was injured, still comes off at 110 as the sixth quarterback off of the board. Saquon at 112 and Justin Herbert at the 113 spot. All right. So right after Dak Prescott at QB four, five, six, seven, Justin Herbert comes off of the board at QB eight. Two ahead of Josh Allen. Clyde Edwards Elaire is still a top, you know, top six pick. He was two top six running back. Taylor, McCaffrey, Kamara. Barkley, Elliott, and then CEH off of the board. CeeDee Lamb was the wide receiver two drafted at the 205 spot. Some notable uh, players taken in the third round, A.J. Brown, Michael Thomas, MT, the consensus dino wide receiver one prior to the season, falls to, I believe, wide receiver one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Eight wide receiver, eight Michael Thomas at 311 in a 14 team league. Justin Jefferson at the 309 spot. Chris Godwin at 313 wide receiver, 10. Allen Robinson comes off of the board, rounding out the 12th wide receiver taken in this draft in the fourth round. Then we saw players like Juju Smith Schuster fall to 408. Baker Mayfield at 412, Calvin Ridley and Terry McLaurin round out the fourth at 413 and 414. Then we get to see some of the rookies start to fly off of the board. T. Higgins, Jerry Judy, and Jalen Rager all come off of the board in the early part of round five. Chase Claypool drafted ahead of Tyler Boyd, Cortland Sutton, Julio Jones, DJ Chark, Marquise Brown, Henry Ruggs, Brian Edwards, Keenan Allen, Tyler Lockett, Claypool being taken at the 5-12 spot in this draft. In the seventh round, we saw another rookie wide receiver, Brandon IU, come off of the board in the seventh round. Jalen Hurts taken ahead of Daniel Jones in two rounds after Carson Wentz. Ronald Jones, still a value, even in a 14-team league, comes off of the board at 7-13. And then we are currently in the eighth round. And to kick off the eighth round, the picks went Joshua Kelly, Robert Tanyan, and Michael Gallup. And this is a fun exercise because this is according to near term value. This is what these players are doing right now. And with this season in this startup, we're not really competing for anything. This is a mid season startup. So you've got to start thinking about the players that you pick being assets down the line for you, right? And some teams are sitting here with one quarterback, no quarterbacks. It's this is this is an interesting exercise. I would encourage everybody who participates in a Debbie Dynasty League to to find one of these mid-season startups. It's it's a really fun way to take advantage of some of the value. I didn't talk about James Robinson. James Robinson did come off of the board in the fifth round, right in between Kareem Hunt and Chris Carson. So there you go. Undrafted free agent makes an appearance at the 5-10 spot. Hasn't played as well over the past couple of games, but he's still the guy in that backfield. And We'll see what happens with Jacksonville long term. It's not looking good for Mr. Minshew. I, you know, really thought that he could be the long term answer, but there's no way that Jacksonville or the Jets or possibly the Giants pass on Trevor Lawrence, the transcendent talent that he is 
if they end up with the number one pick in the 2021 NFL draft. But back to this draft, it's I, I just encourage you to find one of these leagues. It's fun. It's an it's an exciting exercise, and there's a lot of strategy involved in in these players that we take. You know, when you're taking a a Aaron Rodgers, a Cam Newton, a Ryan Tannehill, a Matthew Stafford, we like to think that they're going to continue to play for a couple of more years, but we just don't know. We don't know what's going to happen in Atlanta with with the Falcons and the turnover at at the coaching staff and and what Matt Ryan looks like in that Falcons uniform or if he's in that Falcons uniform for another three or four years. So interesting, the college side, uh, Najee Harris comes off of the board at the 301 spot. I was a little shocked by that one, probably because I wanted to get Najee Harris a little bit later down the line, but Najee Harris off of the board at 301, followed by Travis Etienne at at, at 103, followed by Travis Etienne at 104. And I talked about this on the last show. I'm leaving single quarterback leagues. Those are your top two picks in rookie drafts. It's Najee, it's Etienne, it's Etienne, it's Najee Harris. And in Superflex format, you know, I think this is how it should go. It should go Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, and probably Najee Harris, Travis Etienne, and then go ahead and battle it out for the receivers and the other quarterbacks. In the first round, Kyle Pitts was taken inside the top 10. Devonta Smith, Terrace Marshall round out the first round. DJU, the big quarterback from Clemson, leads off the second round along with Journey Brown. We see George Pickens make a little bit of a fall. And listen, Tank Bigsby ahead of Chuba Hubbard. Chuba Hubbard is starting to lose a little steam. He's losing a little bit of that muster that he had earlier uh, this season and definitely towards the end of last season. Pat Fryermuth comes off of the board towards the end of the second round as the third tight end after Brevin Jordan and Seth Williams. Let me tell you something, man. The most impressive performance in college football outside of what Mac Jones and Trevor Lawrence did was J.C. Horn, the cornerback from South Carolina who absolutely shackled Seth Williams. I have not seen a more dominating, dominant defensive back performance in college football since probably Tyron Matthews final season at LSU. Pick a game. He was dominant in every damn one of them. But that is how good J.C. Horn was. And this kid at six foot one, 205 pounds, literally that tape alone will probably get him drafted in the first round of the NFL draft. When I say locked down Seth Williams and I got a question from from one of the patrons you know is Seth Williams can he separate and my answer to that question is absolutely he can separation can be created in a multitude of ways either by route running physicality technique you know the quarterback can throw you open Seth Williams is not a quick twitch athlete he's got great straight line speed once he builds up but he's a jump ball catcher he's a big boy jump ball catcher he is not an elite separator with route running. He's not an elite separ- running, uh, uh, separator with his quick twitch ability in an, in an, in space and tight spaces, but he is physical. He is big. He is a demanding presence. And if you throw the ball up, it ain't 50, 50, it's like 95, five Seth Williams is going to come down with it. But what JC Horn did against Seth Williams this past Saturday, will get that young man drafted early in the 2021 NFL draft, just a dominant performance by JC Horn. 
All right, you guys, I appreciate you checking out this show. Next week, we are going to do a ranking show. We are going to re-rank this 2021 NFL draft class. We've got the Big Ten coming back this weekend. The players that I'm most excited to see, Justin Fields, Rondell Moore, Rashad Bateman, Pat Fryermuth, Journey Brown. I am excited to have the Big Ten back. Make sure you guys are locked in, tuned in. Listen, you know, every Saturday I will be tweeting different things from the college football world. It's like my phone goes nuts on Thursdays and the discord is popping. I appreciate all of you who have shown support monetarily. This is this is not easy, man. This is hard to continue to provide actionable content. So every single dollar helps. It allows me to pay some people to help out with some things on the back end and make the experience with uh, being a Destination Debbie patron even more than worth it. And for those of you who are thinking about jumping down and are just kind of nervous about pulling the trigger, listen, I'm giving back to this community as much as possible. I, I say one bonus show a week. I'm doing film breakdowns. I'm going live emergency podcast. I'm giving away an authentic Ladanian Tomlinson jersey this month for all American patrons and up. I'm giving away shit constantly. Any resource that I have access to, my squad members have that as well. It's truly a community where we are building and lifting as we climb. I appreciate the support. I appreciate you listening to the show. Make sure you check me out on the Roto Underworld radio program. I am hosting a show over there, the Future Cast Show, once a week, every Monday that drops. If you have yet to subscribe to this podcast or the Destination Debbie YouTube channel, please do so. I appreciate you listening. I appreciate you checking it out. Let's kick this week off right. Have a great Monday. Start your week off right. I want you to hustle, motivate, go get it. If there's something out there that you're trying to achieve, attack that shit with the utmost tenacity that you got. Give it everything. Strive for greatness, man. But y'all know what's next. I'm rambling. Drop the music. Wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Don't forget to use the promo code BlueWire at betonline.ag. That's BlueWire, all one word. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts.